Let's can pray. Fathers, we come now to open your word. We ask and pray that you would help us understand. Father, as Paul again deals with giving, may we see the importance of giving. May we also see the importance of helping others in the church. Father, we ask that you would bless your word this morning, not only the reading of it, but the preaching of it. For we know that it is through the foolishness of the message preached that men are saved. Give us understanding by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and turn with me in your copies of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians 8, we'll begin our reading at verse 16 and read through verse 24. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 15 of 2 Corinthians 8, and we stated last week that Paul had to deal with two difficult issues. And we know that the first has already been dealt with as he called on the Corinthians to love him as he loved them. And, and we know and heard of Titus and the news that he brought to Paul as he waited upon Titus and was worried concerning that letter that Paul had sent, concerning the offender, whether or not it would be received. And Titus came 
to Paul and said that it was well received. They repented and, and they loved Paul as Paul loved them. And, and then the second thorny issue was concerning the collection. The collection for the saints in Jerusalem. We heard last week in verses 1 through 15 that Paul spoke of the generosity of the Macedonian churches. What was this collection for? It was for the poor believers in Jerusalem. The Macedonian churches, they, they went far and above all the other churches in collecting money to be sent. And the Corinthians, they had started a collection, but they did not finish it. And so we heard Paul last week urging them, exhorting them to finish that which they started. And he gave them some advice as well in completing that offering. And so Paul continues and he speaks of this offering once again. And he wants the Corinthians to take up and finish that offering because of what the saints in Jerusalem were going through. They were poor. They were suffering greatly. And so Paul draws the Corinthians' attention to Titus again. What a, a fellow worker and helper Titus was for Paul in Corinth. We know that Titus was a mediator of sorts between Paul and the church. He brought them back Together in a, in a sense. And he, we know he also was uh, one who went and preached uh, to the church of Corinth. And now Paul is telling them, I'm going to send Titus again. Now why is Titus going? Well, Lord willing to bring the offering or to go and collect the offering and, and, to, and to take that with representatives of other churches to Jerusalem. And so Paul is speaking specifically here this morning, even, even next week in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 9. It makes up one unit, and we're going to separate them over the next two weeks concerning this offering, concerning the giving of that offering, and for them to, to finish the offering and to see to it that it goes on to Jerusalem. But this time, Titus is not going alone, there'll be others. There will be those who represent other churches being sent to collect that offering and to send it to Jerusalem. And so there are two things that Paul brings to our attention. And the first is Paul's desire to avoid criticism. Now, why would that be important? And we speak of this in verses 16 through 21. Well, again, there are enemies of Paul in the church. There are those men who call themselves false apostles. And they are saying Paul is not a real apostle. We have heard earlier in this letter that they said Paul was not a real apostle because he had no letters of recommendation. But these so-called apostles, they had those letters. They were trying to drive a wedge between Paul and the Corinthians. And so Paul wanted to avoid so, uh, avoid criticism at all costs. And, and in verses 16 and 17, Paul speaks 
of the eagerness of Titus. In verse 16, Paul says, But thanks be to God who put it who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. At the beginning of this chapter, Paul mentioned or described his appreciation of the, of the Macedonians. They demonstrated great generosity in the service to the, set, to the saints. And now Paul expresses thankfulness to God for Titus, who labored hard among the Corinthians and who will continue to labor among the Corinthians. Now look back at, at verse 6. Paul mentioned Titus there. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace, the act of finishing the offering. And now Paul provides even further details concerning the finishing of the offering. It was God who put into the heart of Titus the same care that Paul had for them. Paul recognized God's hand in the lives of his people, how God put within Titus' heart that eagerness to serve the Corinthians. And so Paul is saying to us, Titus is eager to return. He's eager to return to Corinth to complete the task of, of collecting the funds. And this would be Maybe an arduous task in view of the opposition there. And so in verse 17, Paul continues. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. It seems that Paul put out an appeal for those who wanted to go to Corinth to finish this work to go. And Titus was all the more eager to go back. To help finish that work. Paul again gives that urgent appeal to Titus to complete the matter of the collection. Paul appeals to Titus who welcomes the challenge to do so to finish that task. And Paul knows that he and Titus, they have the same concern for the Corinthians. That concern is to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. To understand the importance of giving for others and to others. But then Paul tells the Corinthians that Titus is not going alone. In verse 18, we hear of a man who is also going with Titus with him. We are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. This man is famous, but we do not know his name. It seems quite odd, doesn't it? Now there's much speculation as to who this brother is. Luke, Barnabas, Timothy, Silas, Mark, Aristarchus, and Apollos. They have all been mentioned as possibilities, but to be honest, we, we just do not know for sure. And all Probability, it was probably Luke or Apollos, but still, we don't know. But what we do know of this man is that he is famous among the churches for preaching. And what was his message? Well, the same message as Paul. The same message as the church today. His message is the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. Now it might be by Paul makes no mention of this man's name because the Corinthians already know who he is. More than likely, when Paul wrote this and they read it uh, aloud in the church, they probably said, oh, we know, we know who's coming. This man was a faithful minister, a faithful preacher of the gospel. But not only that, as we read in verse 19, he was appointed by the churches to travel with us for the glory of the Lord Himself and to show our goodwill. We see this this concept and and truth of, of representative government in the church. This man had been appointed by the churches to go to Corinth. The churches that are being spoken of would have included the churches in in Macedonia. And so this man was was chosen to go with Titus to finish the offering. A man who was known for his preaching. And this brother is also a traveling companion of both Paul and, and Titus. That's why many think it was probably Luke. Because we know he was a traveling companion. And so this brother would not only accompany Titus to Corinth, but was also a member of the group that accompanies Paul to to Jerusalem. And notice, it is to the glory of the Lord Himself and to show our readiness to help. The mandate that Paul is giving to the Corinthians to gather the funds together has a twofold purpose. First, Paul points to the glory of Christ. In all reality, that's why we, we give in the church. It is to the glory of Jesus. We give what we are commanded to give, and then we give above and beyond that from time to time by way of our offerings. But it's not to pat ourselves on the back. It's not to say, look how much money I give to the church. It's simply to the glory of God. And that's why we do or should be doing whatever it is we do in the life of the church. To glorify Christ. Why? Because it is His church. You know, we all say it. We all fall into that trap. We say, well, we're going to my church today. It doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to any of us. It belongs to Christ. Now, the the building belongs to you, the congregation. The church is the Lord's. And so we need to remind ourselves often of this fact that What we do in the church, we are to do to the glory of Christ. But then the second reason is this. Paul stresses here that stresses human responsibility by noting the willingness of himself and others to help in this task. You see, Paul is calling the Corinthians to to, to the task. He is saying, I want you to finish what you have started and, and you have a responsibility to do that. We have a responsibility and our giving to help others. We take up a diaconate fund offering after the Lord's Supper. Once a quarter. This morning we have opportunity to take up an offering for our missionaries. And let me say, even though it wasn't a large offering last year, it did help us send more money to our missionaries. 
And that was a good thing. And so I think Paul would exhort us to the same thing. May we know the, the responsibility that we have to, to assist others. And Paul wanted the men who had been approved for this task to travel to Jerusalem by themselves. But if they deemed his presence was needed, he would be willing to go with them. And then in verses 20 and 21, Paul speaks of that criticism that he wants to avoid. Verse 20, Paul says, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. Paul was fully aware of what could happen. He had his enemies in the church of Corinth. He knew well that they were ready to attack him. And so the gathering of these gifts would give them possibly an opportunity to spread the rumor that Paul was using the funds for himself, that they weren't being sent to Jerusalem. And so Paul is doing everything he can to, to push back any, any criticism that might reflect negatively upon him. Paul had great confidence that the gift that the Corinthians would give would be a, a lavish gift. That they would hear these words and that they would uh, hear what Paul was suggesting to them and they would give even until it hurts. He expected a lot of money to be sent in that day. And so Paul here, he delegated this task to these men. And then in verse 21, he quotes from Proverbs 3. In verse 4, for we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. Paul and these men who were go to Corinth to collect this offering, to finish the collection, and then to take that on to where it was needed, they understood the need to be honorable. First of all, in the Lord's sight. To be very careful with the money that the church would give them before the Lord, but also before men. We're reminded that we are all required to live lives that are upright and praiseworthy, that will contribute to a, a good name or a good reputation. And so the Lord, or the follower of the Lord, must be honest and right before God. We must be honest and right before other men. Then second of all, Paul speaks of these representatives being sent. We know Titus is going. We know another man is going. But now Paul says, oh, guess what? There's another brother who will be accompanying these two. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. Now we try and guess the, the, the previous brother. We, we have no idea of who this brother may have been. We can't even fathom a guess. Paul is going to send him with Titus and the other traveling companion. But we, we surmise here that the Corinthians may not have been acquainted with this man. 
We know this, this man was in the presence of Paul. He had been there for some time, it seems. Paul says that they have tested this man and they have found him earnest in many matters. The apostle had put him to the test and he passed. It's always good when you pass the test, isn't it? He passed the test that Paul put before him and he had been tested in many ways. And so Paul trusted this man. Trust him enough to send him with Titus and the other brother. And as Paul spoke about the Corinthians to him, that produced in him as well an eagerness to go. Again, we are reminded of what type of church Corinth was. It was a church with many problems. But Paul could not stop singing their praises. He knew God was doing a work in them. He knew that God was correcting them. And he could do nothing but sing the praises of these Corinthians. And so this man heard of of the church there. And now he is more earnest than ever. Why? Because of his great confidence in the Corinthians. And he goes on in verse 23 and He says, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefits. Again, Paul singles out Titus. Just think of the man Titus must have been. The preacher, the leader. Paul mentions him by name throughout this letter. Titus completely shared Paul's life and mission. What was Paul's life and mission? To to be that apostle. To the Gentiles. And Titus came alongside Paul and was a devout friend, a devout co worker, and he shared that same passion that Paul had. He was a servant of Christ, he was a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul, and Titus had been Paul's helper in Corinth. And for the other two brothers, they are delegates of the churches. They are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Now it's interesting, a literal translation of the second part of verse 23 reads like this. They are apostles of the churches. But they weren't apostles in the way that Paul was an apostle. Paul was an apostle in the fact that he had seen the risen Lord. That he had been called personally by the risen Lord, to be that apostle of the Gentiles. These men are not on the same level as Paul, but they are even sent by the Lord because they are sent by the churches. Now this is an important reminder to those of us men who are elders. We are are delegates of the Lord to the church. We're representatives. These brothers were delegated by local churches to go to Corinth on a mission for a relatively brief period. And Paul says these brothers are a credit to Christ. They they go to the glory of Christ. These men, they had sound reputations in their walk for the Lord. They would be an asset to the Corinthian church. They reflected the Lord's glory. 
and lived to please Him. They honored Jesus. Again, we are called to honor Jesus in our lives. In verse 24, Paul speaks of his desire for the Corinthians to love these men so that they, like Paul, can take pride in the Corinthians. Verse 24, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now Paul directs his attention to the Corinthians. You see, it was one thing for Paul to boast of the liberality in giving that he knew the Corinthians would do. It is another thing for the church in Corinth to make this boasting a fact. They had a little bit of pressure on them, didn't they? Paul talked them up. He's been talking them up to everyone. And so the Corinthians needed to understand that these brothers who were coming... They were coming as representatives of the other churches. And there was a great interest in how the Corinthians would respond. I say the other churches were looking at them. How would they respond to what Paul is saying? And so Titus and these two brothers, they, they wanted to be able to go back to Paul and say, Paul, you are right. Those Corinthian believers, they went above and beyond. In their giving. And Paul, guess what? They showed us so much love. That it was beyond anything we could have ever imagined. You see, that's what Paul desires. He desires for the Corinthians to be known for their love. Their love for Christ. Their love for these men. Their love for one another. Their love for Paul. And he wanted them to be known for how they express that love for others and their giving to the Christians, the believers in Jerusalem. And for that, Paul could be pride, he would express his pride in them. Now again, it's not a, it's not a wicked pride, is it? It's, it's a pride in what Jesus and what God is doing in and through them. It is okay to have such a pride in the church when we see God working. We should be praying for that. We should thank Him when we see that in the lives of His people. And so what application can we make here this morning? Well, first, when we give, when we give the, the tithe that God requires of us, and we give additional offerings, we, we do so out of our love for Jesus and out of our love for His church. Now our, give, our giving varies, right? We, it varies upon what we bring in, what we make, but, but we know what is required of us, and, and we are, as we'll hear next week, we are to be cheerful in our giving. And we can be cheerful in our giving because we love Jesus. And we love His church. That's what Paul was pressing upon the Corinthians. I believe that's what he's pressing upon us this morning. Let me ask you, when you write that check, whenever you give it, do you do so with love in your heart for Christ and His church? Or do you do so maybe thinking, I really, really wish I didn't have to do this. Let's do so out of our love for Christ. 
Our love for His his church. Second, let us seek to avoid criticism at all costs as a church of Christ. Now, we could seek to avoid that criticism, and criticism may still come. You know, there are some people you just can't please no matter what you do. But we should seek to avoid criticism. We should seek to avoid these things. That's what Paul is doing here in the matter of this collection. That's what we should be doing as well, as much as possible as the church of Christ. Now again, as we stand upon the truth, which I pray we will and do, as we stand upon the doctrines of the Holy Scriptures, there will be criticism. We will be called many names. We will be called many things by the world. And that type of criticism is going to come. But let us not give them any more reasons to criticize us as the church. Third, let me ask you, is it your aim to do that which is right, not only before the Lord, but also before men? We should seek to have a good reputation in this world. The author of Ecclesiastes reminds us that a reputation that is tarnished is like a fly going into oil. It's not a good thing. Now what brings a bad reputation? Well, ourselves, right? Our sin. But we should seek to, to keep that good name, that good reputation before God first and foremost and do the right things, but also before This watching world. They love seeing nothing more than for Christians to fall. And there will be times when we do fall. Because we're not there yet. We're not perfect. And we have to daily go to God in Christ. Say, Lord, help me. Help me to live to your honor and glory. Help me to do the right thing before you and before this world. And so forth and finally, the only way we can do those right things, the only way... That we can do them before the Lord and before men is by having faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the unregenerate man, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about his reputation. He doesn't care about how the world views him. And he definitely doesn't care what God thinks of him. You see, when God saved us and redeemed us, he changed us. As we've already seen from this letter, we... We are a new creation. We are new creatures in Christ. We're not what we once were, but sometimes we live as if we were. Uh, we are still what we once were. But we're not. You see, the only way that we have the concern for uh, pleasing God and pleasing men is if we have that saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you uh, are concerned with that, then it's, it's a, good, a good sign that you're resting in Jesus. But if you're not concerned with that, then it's a good sign that you have no faith. Why do we need to trust in Christ? Well, because there is only one Lord, one Savior. Why do we need to seek forgiveness from Jesus? Because He paid the penalty for the sins of all who would come to Him in faith. And He did so at the cross, suffering greatly for us. And so if you have never done that, if you've never turned from your sins and turned to Christ, I would implore you today to do that. And it is God who will give you that ability 
to do that. Not me, not you, but God. But you see, if God is changing you, He will call you. With an effectual call where you will come to Christ. Because only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can forgive. And by trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone, as we turn from our salvation, as we turn, uh, as we turn to Him for salvation, as we turn from our sin, we understand that we are completely forgiven in Him. And then and only then can we do what Paul is calling the church at Corinth to do. What he's calling these men that he will send to them to do. And that is to live in a way that brings glory and honor to Christ. To live in such a way where we are only, we are only focused on one thing. That is to glorify Jesus. Our Lord and our Savior. You see, in the end, that's what Jesus did for us. He sought the glory of His Father. And as He sought the glory of His Father, He brought about salvation for His people. And so as we come to the table this morning, we are reminded of that. We are reminded that Jesus is our Savior, He is our Lord, that He has forgiven us. And so we come and we again ask God to forgive us of all the sins we've committed this this week, this day, this hour. We thank Him for Christ. We come thankful, rejoicing in the fact that we have been forgiven. That we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And oh Lord, may we as Your people seek to do the right things. Not only before You, O oh God, but before men. And oh Lord, we thank You that You have given us Your Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth. And Father, I pray now that Your Spirit will be at work in this place. Convicting men and women and children of their sin and their need of Christ and, and pointing them to Jesus and changing their hearts and calling them to your Son. And Father, may those whose hearts are changed, we know they will respond and they will believe. Father, as we come now to this, your, your table, may we come in a worthy manner, trusting solely. In Jesus Christ, repenting of our sin. And may it be a means of grace for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.